0: Hello, folks. Sean Engel here from Just One of the Guys podcast, and I'd like to take some time out to dedicate this show to the passing of one of the greatest men who, in my opinion, ever lived, Mr. Neil Armstrong. If you don't know who Neil Armstrong is, he was the first person to ever land on another planet. Well, technically the moon, but he was an amazing inspiration to me in my youth, and to hear that this last weekend he passed away just really shook me up. Um, I could say dozens of things about how much he influenced my love for science, the space program, and science fiction in general, but I think I'll leave the words that were best said about him to his family. They released a statement saying... For those who may ask what they can do to honor Neil, we have a simple request. Honor his example of service, accomplishment, and modesty, and the next time you walk outside on a clear night and see the moon smiling down at you, think of Neil Armstrong and give him a wink. Neil, you've inspired millions, and you will be sorely missed. You're listening to just one of the guys, the podcast that actually increases in value once you remove it from the box. shell-encased episode of Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast. This is always an internet radio show dedicated to bringing you reviews of the Green Lantern comics from cover date June 1990 until cover date November 2004, with a special emphasis on the characters of Guy Gardner and Kyle Rayner. But this time around, as usual, we don't have any Guy or Kyle. We've got Hal. And Ann Coulter. Well, not really Ann Coulter. Olivia Reynolds, but... Dear God, she looks like Ann Coulter on the cover. I mean, disturbingly, I like Ann Coulter. And she's gonna be trying to sell us some Green Lantern toys that really probably wouldn't make it past DC marketing right nowadays. And we'll also get some hereditary stereotypes of toy collectors and toy manufacturers, so there is that. Thanks everyone for downloading again. My name's Sean Engel. I didn't mention that, and I'm glad to bring in this episode of Just One of the Guys. I hope you guys had a good time with last week's episode. I had a really awesome time recording with Thomas DJ, and I had a great time talking about Guy Gardner Reborn. And I personally can't wait until we get back to the Guy Gardner stuff. That should be coming up here in a couple of weeks. But where it's going to come up right now is a couple of promos for a couple of podcasts you should be listening to. And when we get back, we'll get right into Green Lantern number 29. So... Stay tuned.
1: Attention, people of Earth. Do not resist us. All who oppose us shall be annihilated. We command the most powerful army of monsters in the universe. They are sure to defeat your Earth monsters. All those who are hearing this are now under the control of the Earth. Destruction directed 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 Directive. 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 Directive, Hey you, yes you, hearing this message. Do you like podcasts? Well evidently you do because you're listening to one right now. Do you like giant monsters? Of course you do. Who doesn't like giant monsters? Well then have I got the show for you. Earth Destruction Directive, is the newest Daikaiju podcast on the internet, and we talk about all your old favorites, like Godzilla, Rodan, King Ghidorah, and Gamera, but also lesser-known monsters like Gappa, Yangari, and Giyawa. We cover everything from movies to comic books to video games, and we're kicking it old school. This is breaking news. We are receiving word that Earth's Destruction Directive is now a part of the two true freaks Podcast Network. Listeners are advised to stay in their homes and listen to all of the fine quality podcasts on the Two True Freaks Podcast Network. Available at Two com. We now return you to your regularly scheduled broadcast. Wait a minute. Is this true? Earth Destruction Directive is now on the Two True Freaks Network? You bet your oxygen destroyer it is. So if you love atomic powered, fire breathing, hardcore, giant monster action, then head on over to 2truefreaks.libsen.com and check out Earth Destruction Directive. We're turning all of your Dai kaiju dreams into city smashing reality. <laughs>
0: Said Mongo Dindy, that's wrong character, wrong universe, and wrong galaxy. Hold on, just one sec. Ah, here we go. Flash Legacies, a podcast connecting the adventures of Wally West, the third hero to be known as the Flash. Join me, Dave Walker, in my bi-weekly journey as I look at Wally's career from when he first donned the mantle of the Flash all the way up to the return of Barry Allen. Find me at FlashLegacies.Limps.com The Hulk on
1: Podcasts Hulk White like podcasts. Hulk listen to podcasts while Hulk smash. The Hulk on Peter David. Hulk like to read Peter David comics. Hulk have problem making words. Hulk, write down. Peter David wrote a seminal run on the Incredible Hulk for twelve years. Some of the most provocative, compelling stories came from this era, filled with striking psychological overtones bold character developments and sharp humor. Along with artists like Todd McFarlane, Dale Keown, and Gary Frank, Peter David took the incredible Hulk and the comic book medium as a whole to new heights. The Hulk on
0: Peter David Podcasts.
1: Hulk uh, Peter David Podcasts. Hulk get mad. Hulk smash! <sighs> Hey folks, in order to appease the rampaging Hulk, there is an Incredible Hulk podcast devoted to Peter David. Pad Smash, an Incredible Hulk podcast, looks at the entire Peter David run on the Hulk, issue by issue, in a bi-weekly format. Join me, J. David Weeder, on a journey through the saga of Old J. Jaws at www.IncredibleHulkSmash.com. Incredible Hulk and all related characters copyright Marvel Comics... Pad smash is not responsible for gamma radiation sickness smashed mp3 players overturned vehicles tanks thrown through the ceiling injured supervillains on the lawn gamma bomb detonations property damage from debris deep-rooted psychological damages as a result of intense child abuse resulting in an alternate self-destructive personality with the strength of an atom bomb or anal leakage
0: My name is Steve Lacey and I'm a podcaster. The randomizer hit my long boxes and now I'm lost in my comic book collection. Help me. Help me. Listen, please. Is there anybody out there who can hear me? I'm being controlled by an overbearing and fickle randomizer. I'm doing everything I can to review this book in the next 20 minutes. This is the 20-minute long box. 20 Minute Long Box is the briefest and most random of comic book podcasts. Every two weeks, a completely random comic book from my collection is the subject of the show. Find me at the show's site 20MinuteLongbox.Libsyn.com The show's blog at 20MinuteLongbox.WordPress.com Or search for 20 Minute Longbox on iTunes. Prepare yourself for random. And we're back. Again, I'd like to thank everyone. Hopefully you Guys enjoyed last week's episode. I really had a great time uh, recording with Thomas GJ. He is one of the best podcasters out there, and uh, like me, he has a love for the character of Guy Gardner. I do want to apologize a little bit. The quality of the episode may have not been up to standard. Unfortunately, when we were recording, I don't know whether it was Skype or whether it was me not being close enough to the microphone or whatever. Some of my audio was kind of lost or kept cutting out, so I had to go and re record some of the stuff. It sounds a little wonky to me, but it may not sound wonky to you. Hopefully, it was seamless enough that you got the gist of what we were saying. But it was definitely a fun time recording with Thomas DJ. I can't thank him enough for coming on the podcast, and he said that, you know, when we get to the Bo Smith run of Guy Gardner, when it becomes Guy Gardner, Man of Action, he'd love to come back on and talk about that. And I will definitely have him on, because those are some fun episodes. Or issues. I- I- issue sods. But one issue so that we need to cover right now is Green Lantern number 29. So, let's get to it. Green Lantern number 29 was covered dated late September 1992, with a release date on or around July 28th of 1992. The cover price was $1.25 U.S., $1.50 Canada, and 60 pence U.K. The title was The Green Stuff. Ugh. The writer was Gerard Jones. Penciler was MD Bright. Anchor, Romeo Tangal. Letterer, Albert Guzman. Colorist, Anthony Tolan. Editor, Kevin Dooley. And again, this time around, with special thanks to David Montoya, CFI, for aviation advice. Which I don't get this time around because there's not much aviation stuff, but whatever. Hey, if you ever won an authentic Green Lantern power ring, well then you're in luck, because the guy in the opening splash of this book has got dozens of them to sell. However, if you think the Guardians of the Universe have lowered recruitment standards, you'd be wrong, as this is the 1992 toy convention, and all the newest lines are here on display. But one woman walks up to the table, where the creators of the rings are talking about their Green Lantern marketing strategy, and makes them an offer they can't refuse. She has a line of Green Lantern friends and foes talking action figures that she would like to sell to the company. Looking over the prototypes, the pitchmen like what they see, but wonder about the accuracy of some of the figures. The woman tells them not to worry that she has a quote-unquote in with Green Lantern, and he should be promptly getting a message that he won't be able to resist. From Olivia Reynolds. Meanwhile, Green Lantern Hal Jordan is flying back from Oa. Recapping what happened last issue with Evil Star, how he and Jon Stewart had it out over the love of hot widow mom Rose, and how his search for a booty call with Aresia is turning up nothing, Hal lands in Montoya Bay, resolved to forget about women, and focus on trying to build his air transport business. Walking back to the motel, Hal asks the manager if anything happened while he was gone. The manager says that the waitress at the local diner was asking about him, which makes a whole three panels that Hal didn't think, with his brain below his belt. The manager also says that he had a message from Sue Dibney. Concerned, Hal places a call to the JLE headquarters in London, where Ralph Dibney, the, lo- the elongated man, tells Hal that he had a message from Olivia Reynolds, telling him that he has to see her. After some banter between Wally West and Ralph about Hal's love life, Ralph tells Hal that the message was urgent, and Hal heads out to New York, cut to space, where a trio of aliens watch a news report of Green Lantern fighting the shark,
1: lame
0: as a voiceover tells of many of his many heroic deeds, including beating Guy Gardner. Even some people on the street are happy to have Green Lantern back replacing Guy Gardner. <sighs> But as the news report ends, the alien trio says that Green Lantern has not yet felt the fury that the cosmos contains, but soon he must. Back at the motel, Hal is trying to sneak away, but Carol corners him and asks how things are going with his loan. Saying that he told her about the rejection, the two hear Hal's phone ring, and Carol prompts him to answer it. Surprisingly, it's the loan company calling to say that he was approved. And that raises suspicions in Hal's mind. Carol swears that she had nothing to do with the loan, and Hal unwittingly falls for it. But before Carol can coax him into some celebratory motel mattress mambo, Hal flies off to meet with Olivia. During the trip, Hal recounts how Olivia had the "quote unquote" U mind, and how it helps sustain life of some aliens called the Langlands. It was in Flashpoint ninety one back in 1969, before I was even born. So, if you want to go read that, go for it. As Hal is racing across the country, Olivia is playing the Green Lantern video game, for the NES, no less, and complaining to the marketers from earlier that it's shoddy material. Suddenly, a green phone appears out of nowhere, and Olivia answers it. On the other line is Green Lantern, asking if they can meet. Olivia says yes, and Hal appears in a room trying to play it cool so she doesn't realize his true identity. Olivia says she'd like for him to give them the rights to make Green Lantern toys. Hal is shocked, but Olivia says this will go through anyway, since superheroes can't legally trademark themselves. As the two bicker about the action figures, the alien ship from earlier has settled over New York and is demanding to see Green Lantern. Hal exits Olivia's hotel room to investigate and sees two fighter jets fire upon the UFO, knocking out its engines. Using his ring to stabilize its flight, deflect some oncoming missiles and rescue some falling window washers, Hal lands the ship and approaches the trio. In a scene that parallels one in Green Lantern Green Arrow number 1, the aliens ask Green Lantern what he's done for the blue, orange, and purple skins. Hal tells the alien that as soon as he gets his life set back up, he will meet with all the people of his sector and see what he can do to help. And, crisis averted, Hal helps the aliens blast off via Ring Construct Slingshot. Pleased with himself, Hal quips that he's just doing his job, chums, to which Olivia magically appeared on the rooftop Hal was on, says would be a great line for the action figures. But Hal says he can't take Olivia up on her offer and flies off. Olivia says that she'll just have to do it her way as she pulls the string on the action figure. But the voice emanating from it is from Hal himself, saying that the dolls won't say anything he doesn't want them to, and that he's watching her.
1: Hi, I'm Chucky, and I'm your friend to the end. Heidi ho Ha ha ha!
0: Furious, Olivia vows that Green Lantern won't outsmart her, as Hal flies back to Montoya Bay, a smug smile on his face, knowing that he's the coolest guy around. Okay, I have to say, it's nice every once in a while to have a one-and-done issue. You know, and this is a, well, a decent issue, but it's really not that great. But I have noticed in rereading all these issues, I'm remembering that Hal is really a bigger jerk than most people make him out to be. I'm really wondering right now why people are so peeved at the time when Hal left the book and Kyle took over. Did Hal really resonate that much with them? Especially in the absence of Guy, who people seem to think was just as big a jerk. I'm seeing all the characteristics in Hal that people claim Guy to have and put him down for, so I'm not really getting it. Plus, there are some callbacks to earlier issues in this comic that just really annoy me. The story does carry on the subplot about Hal trying to get his life back together, but the heroics in the story just are pretty subpar. But let's go into those heroics and get into the notes of this issue. The cover's an interesting one with Hal back against the wall as a couple of dozen Green Lantern statues, or Green Lantern action figures of him, hold their fist high, pointing towards him as their rings glow green. And in the background, as I said, is Olivia Reynolds, with a Green Lantern doll, and she looks like she's going to be doing a little voodoo with it, poking a pin in it. It's a interesting cover that doesn't have anything to do with the book, but you've got to wonder, why are all these little Green Lantern dolls attacking Hal? Why is he freaked out by him, and why is Ann Coulter on the front cover? I mean, I know it's Olivia Reynolds, but take a look at the hair, look at the face... look at the mini skirt, well, the mini dress, I guess in this case, that's Ann Coulter. About ten years before Ann Coulter would really become prominent with anything, so weird. What's also weird is the arrow pointing toward Olivia Reynolds' character on the cover says Olivia Reynolds is through toying with Green Lantern, and the name of Olivia Reynolds has the little TM for trademark behind it. Why is the name Olivia Reynolds trademarked? I mean, the name Green Lantern isn't, so I don't get it. Page one, a good tip to the wise, never, ever, ever buy a Green Lantern ring from a guy who looks like this. This is a really good image of a sleazy salesman. In fact, thinking about it now, don't ever buy a Green Lantern ring at all. I mean, aren't you supposed to be given that by a guardian or something? Who knows? Page two, and thankfully this time around, the pages are numbered. This page has a lot of comedic value on it. We've got uh, basically Olivia walking into the toy convention, and we have her coming across some of the people who are selling toys, Uh, one of them who's trying to sell the next set of Ninja Turtles. Well, not Ninja Turtles, but Turtles. Then we've got another guy who's selling action figures, and he can't believe that he sunk all of his money into Hawk action figures. I don't know whether it's Silver Hawk or the Hawk and Dove ones, but he seems pretty disappointed with them. Page 3, panel 1, we get the horrendous stereotype that the fat, balding guy would be the head of the marketing division of DC Universe Toys. Yes, of course, it has to be a fat, balding guy and a wife-beater who's going to be the person who's creating toys for your kids. Nice. And not only that, the big, fat, balding guy is named Mr. Voorhees, so obviously a creepy Friday the 13th connection. Then on the same page, panel 5, after shaking Olivia's hand, Olivia wipes it on her dress because obviously it was covered with sweat and Perhaps other fluids. Same page again, panel 6. We get Olivia opening the box of her action figures, and we've got Hal, Sinestro, Nort, Guy, and a Guardian. Oddly enough, the Guardian looks about as big as Hal and Sinestro, which is kind of weird. I thought that, you know, the Guardian would be scaled down, but whatever. Page 4, panel 2, as Olivia pulls the string on the dolls to show that they talk the Sinestro line is pretty much right out of Emerald Dawn 2, where he goes, I must have order in this sector. Order! 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 Yes, Sinestro is a control freak. And then on the same page, panel 6, when uh, the fat, balding guy, Mr. Voorhees, comments that there should be a black Green Lantern in there, Olivia says, Oh, they'll deal with that when the concerned parents groups start to complain. Hmm. Maybe this isn't Olivia Reynolds, and maybe it really is Aunt Coulter. Page six, panel one. Yep, not three panels after Hal says, Uh, women. I'm going to just forget about them. And Hal's thinking about the waitress that was kind of flirting with him a couple issues ago. Nice, Hal. Way to go. Then page seven, panel five. This is kind of weird. Hal's calling from a landline in a, well, sort of sleazy motel, and... The middle of nowhere, California, and he's calling to the Justice League embassy, which has an obvious, highly technological video phone there, and for some reason, Hal's image is showing up on the video phone, even though Hal doesn't have a video phone at his sort of sleazy hotel. I'm wondering how that works. It doesn't look like he's doing it via ring construct because he's calling on the phone, so kind of weird that maybe they have cameras. ...placed in the hotel room at this hotel. Uh, I'm going to have to check my hotel room for cameras now. Uh. Page 8. We get some images of Hal fighting the shark. and I'm wondering, is this archival footage when Hal was fighting the shark a long time ago? Or did this happen in between the issues of Green Lantern? Did this happen in one of the JLA issues? Why would they be reporting on Hal Jordan fighting the shark if that happened so long ago? Plus, the page has more Guy Gardner hate and one of the interviewees saying, Yes, I think it's great news. Earth needs a Green Lantern. And not that Guy Gardner either. (sighs) Well, good to know that it's not just people on the internet who hate Guy. Pages 9 and 10 is Carol confronts Hal about the loan, she almost blows it by letting it out that she somehow helped with him getting the loan. But luckily Hal is just too clueless to realize that she did anything, and he goes along his merry way. Page 11, panel 4 and 5, we see Olivia Reynolds playing the uh, Green Lantern video game, and it's obviously the NES system that she's playing, but I've got to assume since it's a really bad game, or at least she says it's a really bad game, it has to be that awful Rise of the Manhunter's game they had for the Green Lantern movie last year. (sighs) I played that for the Wii, and that was just unfun at any level. Page 13, panel 6. It's interesting here that we see there's a legal reason behind why DC superheroes can't make any money off their characterizations or their images. I remember that this was brought up in some of the Marvel books, that since the characters' exploits were covered by the Comics Code, and the Comics Code was a government-run authority, that there was some sort of legal proceedings that allowed them to get away with stuff. I don't know. It's all legal mumbo-jumbo. But it's nice that they have a legal reason in here, or at least a proposed legal reason, to why comic book characters can't profit off their own images. Page 14, panels 3 through 6. Here we get back to the reason number one, this issue of why Hal is just a big jerk as guy. He's not really all that interested in the action figures, in fact, he's willing to completely blow them off until he hears them talk. And since they don't sound like him at all, he's worried that they'll tarnish his image. Oh, and the image of the core, but of course his image first. Then on page 16, panels 1 and 2, we get reason number two why. Hal is just a bigger jerk as guy. This issue, and when Hal is rescuing the alien ship, he goes, "Well, I guess all parties are lucky that I'm here." Yeah, Superman or the Justice League or any other metahuman in the New York City area couldn't have handled this situation. It had to be you, Hal. And then page 17, panel five, we get reason number three why Hal is a big jerk as guy. He tells the guys that he's catching to. Go limp. I don't want to have to concentrate on holding you guys. Yeah, uh, I'm going to rescue you, but don't annoy me since I'm rescuing you, because I've got to do other things, too, like text and you know check my latest Facebook status and all that. Well, no, technically he's using his ring to save the spaceship from crashing, but it's still kind of an arrogant thing to say to the people who he caught as they were falling to their death. Then on page 19, panel 3, after the whole reenactment of the scene from Green Lantern, Green Arrow, number 1, where the black guy goes up to Hal and goes, you've done all this for the blue skin and the orange skin, but what have you done to the black skin, or what have you done for the black skin, and Hal feels all ashamed in that one, which was a horrible, horrible scene. They decide to reenact it in reverse with the aliens coming to Earth and asking the Hal the same thing about what has he done for the blue and the orange skins. And the look of smugness on Hal's face is just annoying. I just wanna kick him in the tank because of this. He's got that sort of smug grin on his face and he's like, Oh, what are you gonna do? Hal. <sighs> ego bigger than MOGO. Moving on to page 21, panels 5 through 6. Okay, Hal possessed the prototype, but can he really keep tabs on every action figure that will ever be made in order to make sure that they don't make him sound bad? I would think that would require constant monitoring by the ring and would really detract from him, you know, actually going out and doing something, oh, superheroic. So why do all this? Doesn't make sense to me. Just let her do the silly dolls and hope that they turn out better than the dolls for the Green Lantern movie. And then finally, on page 22, we get Hal flying over the New York skyline with this, again, smug look on his face. It's really annoying, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to be down on Hal. I know people out there love him as a character, but he's just so damn smug in these issues, and I can't wait to get to the guy and the Kyle stuff. I really can't. But that's about it for notes on this issue. I'd like to take a look at some of the ads, but because this is a late September book, most of the ads in the uh, book are pretty much the same. Except for one. Most of the ads were covered in the issue number 28 that we had that was early September. And this, the only issue, or I'm sorry, the only ad that's new in this issue is a kind of Noirish sort of uh, artistic rendering of a person carrying another body, and at the top of it has the uh, copy saying, He reached for me as the bullet broke his best- breastbone. There was no one else to reach for. Strangers to each other, we were both greater strangers to the hordes of New York. He was a beatnik, I was the Martian and it's the uh, Martian Manhunter American Secrets three-issued prestige format book, and it's got a story by Gerard Jones and great-looking art by Eduardo Barreto. I've never read this, but I've heard good things about it, and Edward Barreto does a really good job drawing the Martian Manhunter. If anyone knows about this story, email into me and let me know how it was. I'd love to hear about it. But... That's about it for ads, as they were all pretty much the same as last time. So, what we've got coming up next time is a good one. Next time, there's going to be a team-up between Hal and Wally West, The Flash, as they take on Gorilla Grodd. So, next week, the book takes a big step up in villains from Evil Star, Ann Coulter. Although some might say Ann Coulter is probably a worse villain than Evil Star. But who knows? Anyway, I hope you guys have a great weekend, and I'll catch you next Friday here at Just One of the Guys. Bye bye. You've been listening to Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast hosted by yours truly, Sean Engel. All images, stories, and music are copyright their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This podcast is done solely out of my desire to show the denizens of the internet that comic books can be fun humorous, compelling, thought-provoking, and exciting, while not having to fall into the weary tropes of the 1990s. I'm not in any way doing this for monetary gain, which irritates my wife to no end. All feedback for the show can be sent to the show's Gmail account at justoneoftheguyspodcast at gmail.com. All feedback, positive and negative, is warmly welcomed. All spam bots are warmly welcome, too, as long as your definition of a warm welcome is for them to die horribly in a fire. The website address for the show can be found at justoneoftheguys, all one word, dot Libsyn, spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N, dot com. There you can find the RSS feed, as well as scans of the covers and whatever else I feel like putting up. Look for me on iTunes. Just search for Just One of the Guys podcast, and be sure to leave a review there. I'd love to read it on the next episode. You can also search for me on Facebook. I mean, you won't find me there, because I don't have an the account there. But if you have enough free time to listen to me babble on about funny book characters, you obviously can spare some time to wander around on Facebook. Thanks for downloading and listening, and come back next Friday for another episode of Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast. The opening music for today's show was Aerosmith's song, Toys in the Attic off the album, aptly titled, Toys in the Attic. If you'd like to get this song, you can go to iTunes and download the song with the album, or better yet, go hit up the 2 True Freaks website at 2 click the Amazon banner at the top of the page, go to Amazon and download the song, album, or buy the album there. You'll be helping out Chris and Scott, making sure 2 True Freaks stay on the air, and also making sure that... Big-lipped singers get some money.